Thank you so much. It's such a privilege to be at HTBB. We have watched in awe and admiration over the last nine years at what God has been doing through you as a church right across this city, wonderful city, glorious city of KL, but also across the whole uh, Asia-Pacific region. And uh, as Miles said, uh, we first met uh, over 13 years ago now, and at that time I was relatively successful, I was a very successful lawyer, um, earning quite a lot of money, going on nice holidays, and then I met Miles, and, uh, and, <laughs> and, um, and I became a pastor, and uh, so I just want to say if Miles invites you for a coffee, tread very carefully. <laughs> You have no idea of knowing where that conversation will end up. And I am eternally grateful. I will always be grateful uh, for Miles's and Sarah's influence in our lives as a family, and particularly Miles' influence and encouragement and wisdom and support for me. Uh, I'm going to read a passage from James 3. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. I want to speak today on the title, Your Words Have Power. Your words have power. There is an extraordinary power in the words that you speak. Your voice is utterly unique, a gift from God. It's like your vocal fingerprint, your vocal DNA. There never has and there never will be any person on the face of the earth who has a voice exactly like yours. And your words have huge potential. How we use our voice, our words, our tongue is one of the main ways we can influence the world around us. Our words can encourage or discourage, build up or tear down, help people or hurt them. In our workplaces, our communities, our businesses, in our families. Your words are powerful and your speech is precious. You don't just want to throw words around. And in a world in which words are many and people have a lot to say, the ability to hold our tongue 
is a spiritual discipline. And the wisdom to choose the right words to speak to the right people at the right time, in the right way, in the right tone, is actually a superpower. And how we speak also tells us a huge amount about what is actually going on inside of us because the best and worst of you shows up on your tongue. So how can we use our words wisely? How can we harness the creative power of the tongue and hinder its destructive potential? Well, the first thing we see in this passage is you need to recognize the power of your words. The power of your words. Recognize the power of your words. Generally speaking in life, people fall into two categories. There are what you might call people pleasers. And people pleasers are very concerned about what people think. And are very concerned not to upset the people around them. So if you're a people pleaser, you're always aware of how your words and actions are impacting other people and how they might be shaping other people's perception of you. And so if you're a people pleaser, when you go to bed at night, you're worried that you might have spoken out of turn in a meeting or interrupted someone in a conversation. You scan emails for hidden subtext. You reread messages two or three times just to make sure they're not sent in a passive aggressive tone. People pleasers. But then you also have people provokers. People provokers are much more direct. They're not so concerned about what other people think about them because they're quite keen to get out what they think about other people. So people provokers are not going to read an email three times. They'd scarcely read an email at all. If you're a people provoker, you could have an argument in an empty room. And if you're a people provoker, then actually you never really know if you like someone until you've had a disagreement with them. And you're, you would speak without thinking because you never really know what you do think until you've spoken it out. And then you work out how you're thinking when you're speaking. Now, if you're a people provoker, you're going to tend to be more direct. And so the risk is that you'll be reckless with your words. If you're a people pleaser, you'll be more indirect. And so the risk is that you will be more reserved with your words. Both groups of people need to know the power of their words. People provokers, so they can rein in some of their words. People pleasers, so they can push out some of their words, which might otherwise get stuck inside them. What does James say here? He gives three examples of the power and influence of the tongue. The bits we put into horses to make them obey us. That a ship, which although it is large, is driven by strong winds, that is steered by a very small rudder, wherever the captain wants to go. And then he says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is relatively small. It's about 0.1% of your body weight. And yet it has huge influence over your whole life and the lives of those who listen to you. If you don't realize that, you'll be careless with the words you use because you'll think no one's listening, no one cares what you say. And it makes no difference. And, but the danger is reckless words, thoughtless words, it says in the Proverbs, pierce like swords. And the fact 
that the tongue is small doesn't mean that it can't have a huge influence on your life. In one sense, it steers the whole course of your life, the whole body. It has a unique ability to influence the direction of your life. Why is that? Well, well, James writes, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is able to keep the whole body in check. So it's like your words direct the whole body because your thoughts become your words, but your words can shape your thoughts because words shape the narrative frameworks in which we live. What you say shapes how you feel. What you say can shape how someone sees the world, how someone understands the world, how someone understands themselves. And your voice can have the same influence on your own life. Your voice, James says, can set your life on fire. And it can set your life on fire in a bad way, and it can set your life on fire in a good way. Our words have the potential to inflame interactions, to wound and to discourage. We have a saying in the UK, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Sounds good, but it's just not true. We know it's not true. If you've lived for more than five minutes, you know it's not true. Words hurt. I've prayed for people, lots of people, in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s who are still struggling with a word that someone spoke over them when they were a child or a teenager. I've prayed for people who are still carrying a word that an ex or a boss or a colleague spoke over them which was negative and they took inside themselves. Our self-image, our understanding of who we are as people is shaped by others' words. And sometimes as adults, we're unpicking the words that have been spoken over us. But at the same time, we have real potential to use our tongues for good. So how can we use our tongues well? How can we harness the creative power of our tongue and resist its destructive potential. Well, I have a little tongue here. Fresh from Bangsar. There we are. It's an ox tongue. Now, uh, this tongue looks a bit ugly, I think it's fair to say. But do you know this tongue has never spoken a cruel word. It's never cursed. It's never gossiped. It's never spoken one way to someone's face and another way behind their back. This tongue has never lost its temper. It's never spoken a word in anger. It's never discouraged someone who is going through a difficult day. It's never been reckless in its speech to someone who was struggling. It's never cut someone down with a harsh word or undermined someone's confidence. Maybe it's not quite so ugly. But it's, this tongue has also never encouraged someone who is going through a difficult day. It's never spoken gentle words to someone who was close to giving up 
It's never spoken peace-filled words to someone who is going through a, a stormy time. It's never put courage into someone who was facing fear. It's never built someone up to help them to strive further. It's never spoken a kind word. It's never spoken a loving word. It's never seen the gold in someone that they couldn't even see in themselves and spoken words that call out that gold and enable it to flourish in someone else's life. Your tongue can do both. Your tongue has the power to bless and it has the power to curse. Your words have power. Don't underestimate the power in the words you speak. This is available for whoever wants it after the service. Um, Your words have power. If we realize people are listening to the words we speak, it will shape what we say. I was at a TV studios recently doing some filming, and it was a great crew uh, for this television company, and they'd asked me to do about two and a half, three hours of filming, and I'd been a very busy week, so at the end of the three hours, I was quite tired. And then they came out with five or six new requests that they hadn't asked me to do. So I was a bit confused. I was at the end of my energy. And I did the first three, but then they st- each request was becoming more and more challenging. And I felt less and less comfortable about doing what they were asking me to do. And so when it came to the fourth and the fifth, I just took a moment. I said, look, I don't want to be difficult, but I feel uncomfortable about this. And they said, well, you know, and I said, I'm not sure I want to do this that you're asking me to do. I'm not sure it's right for me to do it. And after a while I said, look, I think I, think I need to stop. I think I should stop now and, uh, and, and let's have a break. So I, I walked off. I went into the room they'd given me to prepare. And my colleague who I'd taken with me, Aidan, was there. And I came in and I said, you know, because... I like to coach as I go. I said, Aidan, that was a little bit awkward. He said, why? And I said, well, you know, they were asking me to do all these additional things we hadn't agreed. And some of them I felt quite uncomfortable about what they were asking me to do. And I said, it's a good lesson in life, Aidan. When you're working with external organizations, they will have an agenda. And they will try and push their agenda on you. And it's fine up to a point, but if it starts to clash against your values, you have to say no. And they might not like it, it might be uncomfortable, inconvenient for them, but your values, your boundaries have to come before their agenda and their convenience. And sometimes you just have to be really clear and say, sorry, I can't help you with that. And that will be a really important thing in your career as you go forward, having the integrity to say no at times to people who push you beyond your boundaries. That moment there was a knock on the door, a guy walked into the room, said, I'm so sorry, sir, your mic is still on. And he came round and he took it off and then he went out. My voice had been booming out over the whole studio. I turned to Aidan and I said, what did I say? He said, you said a lot of things. (laughs) I said, what did I say? He said, well, you said something about this, you said something about this, you said boundaries and values and pushing and this and this. I said, was I rude? He said, you weren't rude, you were very honest. So embarrassed. I kind of went after lunch. I went back out and said, thank you so much, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Anything else you want me to do, I'll do anything. If we realized people were listening to what we said, we'd be much more careful in the words we spoke. People are listening to you. And think of the difference you can make with loving, truthful, kind, encouraging words in your workplaces, your communities, your families. 
as we build up people, as we are, yes, completely truthful, but utterly loving to those who are within hearing of our speech. Recognize the power of your words. But then secondly, realize that your words reveal your heart. Your words reveal your heart. James writes, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. With the same tongue, we flick between things that are entirely opposed. We praise God and then we curse those who are made in God's image, who bear God's image. So on a Sunday time, sometimes we can be like, yeah, I want to praise. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Woo, blessed, yeah. <laughs> and then on Monday, by the water cooler at work, we're like, did you see what she did? <laughs> Have you not heard? Oh, don't tell anyone else. But we say, have you heard what he said about you after that meeting? I mean, I would want to know if I was you. This is what he said. You know, we're, we're passing the gossip around. We're speaking about other people. We cut people down and we criticize them. And then on Sunday, the next week, we're like, blessed be the name. With the same tongue. And sometimes I think we think, oh, how I relate to God is about, that's about me and God. That's like a closed circuit of communication. I can keep that nice and clear. Has to have no relevance on how I'm communicating Monday to Saturday. But in the Bible, we see a very different picture. All through the Bible, we see that our interpersonal relationships matter hugely to the heart of God. Seems like God is really concerned with how we treat other people, as concerned as he is with how we sing and how we read our Bibles and how we pray. Because our interpersonal relationships tell us something. It's like the acid test for whether we really believe the things we sing, whether we really believe the things we say. How are you treating those around you will reveal how deeply God's love has penetrated your heart. Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What appears on your tongue tells you what's hidden in your heart. Sometimes people say to me, Pastor, how can I know what's really going on inside of me? Listen to what you speak. Just, just for a few hours. Just listen to what comes out of your mouth. Because what appears on your tongue tells you what's hidden in your heart. When you go to a doctor sometimes, they will say, can I look at your tongue? You go, ah. You stick your tongue out for them. And the reason is that a number of conditions, infections, malignancies, medically will show up on your tongue. If there's something wrong with another part of your body, it will show up on your tongue. It gives telltale signs that something's not quite right. In that sense, the best and worst of you shows up on your tongue. One of you have ever had the experience of being in an argument. I'm sure no one here has ever had an argument with anyone. I've had a few arguments in my life. And sometimes when you're in a heated argument, it's like the words take over. It's like the, the words become a force of themselves. And you find things coming out. You think, where did that come from? I didn't even think that, and I've just said it. 
I didn't even think that. I know that's not true. Why have I said that? It's like they're coming from somewhere deep inside. And it shocks you because it shows what's going on deep in your heart. What's formed on the tongue is found in the heart. And our words reveal what we actually believe. They reveal what our fears are, what our deep, unarticulated insecurities are, where we feel threatened, maybe, by other people or situations, where we feel desperate to fit in in our workplace or with our friends. And that could shape the way we speak. There's so much pressure often to conform the way we speak so we fit in. I'll never forget as a young lawyer, as a young barrister, being invited out by a senior colleague for lunch. And I was so excited about this. I had my chance to impress a very senior lawyer. And we have a saying in the UK, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And it's true. And, uh, and I went out and we had the starter. It was delicious. And then we came to the main course. And he looked across the table at me in a slightly kind of interested way and said, so tell me, Stephen, what's the gossip with the junior lawyers. I was like, ooh, a little bit tricky. And obviously, you know, I'm, I'm having a nice lunch and I want to show honor to a very senior lawyer and I don't want to do something that might harm my career. And then I just found myself saying, I still can't believe I said this. I cringe at the thought of it. I said, oh, I'm a Christian, so I don't gossip. so embarrassing and he just looked like and then for the next half an hour there was just a sound of cutlery <laughs> on plates it was the most awkward lunch of my entire life I went back to the office I thought maybe I need a new career so I thought this is gonna be a disaster anyway he did believe in gossip so he told everyone that I worked with what happened. And I was thinking, this is going to go so badly. Everyone's going to think I'm weird. It's going to be really difficult for my career. But within three weeks, someone else quite senior knocked on the door of my office. They said, can I come in? I said, come in. And they said, can I ask you for some advice about a personal situation I'm facing? I said, oh, of course. Let's chat. And then I worked out the reason he knew that he could come to me was because he'd heard from someone that did gossip that I wasn't someone who gossiped. <laughs> so he was like, well, I know I can trust you now. And over the following five or six years, lots and lots of people would come, senior people would come and speak to me about what was going on. See, how you speak about others to people increases their confidence in how you speak to others about that person. It's a great principle in life to speak about other people like they're present in the conversation. When, when you sp how you speak about people who aren't present builds trust in the people who are present. People are listening to how you speak. But not just people, devices. A little while ago, I got a WhatsApp message from a friend of mine and I opened it up, and it took me a while to work out what was going on, because it was 
There were some random words and my name was at the top and it's odd to start a text with someone's name. Like, why would you start a message with my name? Not hi, just my name. So I thought it was strange and I was reading it. And then I worked out what had happened. My friend had enabled voice-activated messaging on his WhatsApp. And so, brave guy, brave guy. If you have that on your phone now, you're brave. And so his phone had been in his pocket and he'd been at a a drinks reception and I had come up in conversation. (laughs) And so he'd said, oh, Stephen Foster, and when he said my name, Siri said, yes. (laughs) And it opened a WhatsApp message to me. And then it started transcribing all the things he said about me in a WhatsApp message. And then when he'd finished talking about me, it sent me it. Can you imagine that? His own phone spying on him. (laughs) So he had a conversation about me and the same night I get a transcription of the whole conversation. Extraordinary. I can see a number of you right now are turning off. Actually, it was, there was nothing offensive on there. It was quite funny, actually, what he said. And I haven't had the heart to tell him yet um, because it, it feels a bit unkind. Although maybe I should because it's probably sending messages to lots of other people <laughs> as well. But imagine that. If every time you had a conversation about someone who wasn't present, your phone sent that person a little record of your conversation. Do you think that might change how you spoke about them? Do you think you might choose your words a little bit more carefully? Well, your phone might not be listening to you every time you speak, but the Holy Spirit is always listening. God always hears. And I tell you, even this week, as I've been preparing this talk, I've had to repent. I've had to say sorry. I've had to ask God for his forgiveness, for how careless I can be at times with my words. It's times when I've lost sight of the fact that people are listening to what I say. It's times when I've dismissed people with words, when I've let my fears drive my speech. It's never good to do that. It's times when I've missed the opportunity to encourage people or say kind words to people. Times when I've spoken thoughtlessly or recklessly. So what do we do? How do we harness the power of the tongue? Because we don't just want to say, well, this is all a bit difficult. I might mess up. I might make a mistake. So I'm not going to say anything to anyone ever again. We want to get the important words, the valuable words, the words that can help people, the words that can help people see how God sees them, help people see what their destiny might be, help people see what their purpose might be, call out the golden people, give them strength and courage and comfort and peace and joy and life. We want those words to get up. And we want to kind of hold back the harsh words, the unkind words, the cruel words. So how can we do that? Well, look at Jesus. He spoke with love to those who thought they were unlovable. He celebrated with words of joy with those who needed joy and were in despair. He knew words to bring peace into the midst of the fiercest storms. He had words of kindness for the poor and the vulnerable. He spoke gentle words to the brokenhearted. He spoke words even... At his 
most difficult hour when he was on trial for his life, he spoke with self-control. The precision of his words as he faced death. And then as he died on the cross, he spoke words of unity and words to draw people into relationship with his father. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. If we ask the Holy Spirit to grow the fruit of the Spirit in our hearts, then we can hope that those fruits will start to show up on our tongues. Our words might be seasoned with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and self-control. I've got a challenge for you, HTBB. Are you up for a challenge? I've heard you're up for a challenge. Tomorrow is Monday, I think. All agreed? So tomorrow, I dare you, each time you speak to someone, each person you meet, ask this question of the Holy Spirit. How can I use my words to bless the person who's in front of me? When you're tempted to be unkind, when you're tempted to gossip, when you're tempted, just check it and just pray and ask the Holy Spirit, why? Dig into it a bit. Say, why? Why am I, why am I tempted to do that? What's going on in me? And then keep a, keep a kind of note, keep a check. Just tomorrow, see for one day. And then when you get to the end of the day, just process it and just say, where were the times I was able to encourage and bless? Where were the times where I probably got things slightly wrong? And then pray and ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, would you help me to do better tomorrow? Would you help me to bless more people tomorrow and to not be unkind tomorrow? Because think what could happen as a community in this city. As we go out into our workplaces, our businesses, our communities, our schools, our families. If we're able to speak words of love and compassion and kindness just think of the impact that might have on your colleagues and your friends and your family. Then people in the city might look at us and say, well, wait a minute, what's different about you? You speak truth, but you do so in such a loving way. You're honest with people. They know how they stand. There's a culture you've established, which means that if, if someone's being talked about, they're in the room. And yet you do so in a way that's compassionate and loving. And people know you want the best for you. People in your teams might say, I've never had a boss like you. Normally people speak down to me from a very high level. But when I'm speaking to you, it feels like I'm speaking to a friend who wants the best for me. And then people might look at us and say, look, we don't know what it is that makes you different. But you walk to a different beat. Your security is in a different place. Your purpose is overflowing. And you shifted the tone in this workplace, this community, this family. So tell us more. We want to know more. And then we might have an opportunity to say, well, come, let me introduce you to the person who is utterly truthful, knows you to the bottom of your soul, all of the good, all of the bad, all that, all that you're proud of and pushed to the surface, all that you're ashamed of and try and bury. He knows you to the bottom of your soul and yet he loves you to the sky. We'd love to introduce you to Jesus who is utterly graceful in speech, completely truthful in his words and knows you better than you know yourself. 
we might be able to say to our city, come, let us introduce you to the one who is even able to turn a curse into a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.